If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. You're listening to SpursCast, episode 560. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of the SpursCast. Joining me, not in studio for the first time since we've been recording together, is Project Spurs' Colin Reed. Colin, how are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well, sitting in my home today, so it's a little bit weird, a little bit different than normal. Yeah, uh, SpursCast listeners, you know, ever, ever since Colin, uh, you know, started joining me here on the SpursCast and every record, uh, he's always come over to, to our, to our record at. So it's always like, you know, we just have that, that, that very natural transition between, um, uh, ourselves. So now it's kind of weird just doing a remote online. Cause, uh, yes. Yeah, so, so like the transition is really kind of like long pauses. You all know why it's, it's like we're waiting for one of us to speak. So it's kind of awkward that way, but it's, it's all good. Uh, Colin and I have obviously, you know, spent a lot of time together, uh, talking about the Spurs. So Colin, you know, unfortunately, man, now that the Spurs, the season's back i have a good i have a rotation of all of our spurs cast writers i mean spurs project spurs writers who come in and you got you drew the card calling of the week when the spurs have just lost four of their last five games they lost their last two games um you know for the first one against the celtics on saturday pretty bad uh by 20 points and then of course against the grizzlies a team they were supposed to beat by 10 and a half points according to vegas they end up losing that one by four so um you know right now it's it's not a good time for, the, for if you're a spurs fan um you know, especially after all that stuff with, with Tony Parker's jersey retirement, that was a really good, you know, fun night for everyone to, to, to embrace the big three for one last time. But then, you know, reality sets in. Uh-oh, it's back to this season, and here are the Spurs. Ten games into the year, 5-5, uh, five and five, on pace to win 41 games. Uh, they're playing like a 40.5 win team, according to Cleaning the Glass. So, so um, Colin, just before we kind of dive into these two games, uh, give me your impressions. What, what are you thinking, man? As I know I haven't spoken to you in a while. What, what, what are your thoughts right now on the Spurs team at 5-5? Five and five? Yeah, so I, I guess you're saying I'm I'm like the Lonnie Walker of the the Project Spurs writers <laughs> rotation in the podcast no. right now because I drew the short end of the stick here. Uh, no, I I uh, I think that you know that three and start looked real good. Um, and yesterday I was thinking about it. So so they played ten games and they have like one win that you'd say you know this win was was maybe a good win that maybe was kind of punching above their weight, which is a Portland win. And then they have two bad losses, um, which are Atlanta and the Grizzlies at home. And the Atlanta in Atlanta is actually mm-hmm. probably not as bad of a loss as it looks like to a lot of fans. So, so when you look at the five and five record, you know maybe if you looked at the record before the season started and looked at the first ten games and thought what's realistic, I think six and four with the games that they had to play would have been fairly realistic. So the fact that they're five and five. That's a little bit below expectation, but I actually don't think it's like alarm sound the alarm bells kind of thing yet because I think that they're actually kind of most of those games win as expected other than maybe one or two. So, you know, I think they definitely have some problems to sort out and that's what we're going to talk about today, I'm sure. But uh, it, I, I don't actually think it's quite as bad as people think if you have kind of your expectations set for this team kind of based on their roster. 
Yeah, I, I, you brought up two good points here, and I want to I want to go into so, so these are actually two areas I wasn't going to thinking about going to, but you brought up some good points. So so that first, let's talk about that three game winning streak. You know, it was against. Some teams, uh, especially, uh, you know, like you mentioned, Portland's probably the best win there. But you got to remember, they were struggling against the Wizards and against the Knicks. They barely beat those two teams. And so I remember the the, the, the talk, you know, if you went to Spurs games and talking to a bunch of media members, it was like, wow, we were, we were all telling each other, wow, if they're having trouble with the Wizards, you know, what's going to happen when they play the real teams, you know, uh, I mean, the really good teams. And so and so obviously that's carrying over the fact that they had a soft schedule to start. And now, um, you know, they're really struggling here. And then even against bad teams, not bad teams, but, you know, teams that are that are up and coming, like the Grizzlies and the Hawks, uh, they're having some struggles there, like you you mentioned um yeah so, so let's go ahead and get into this real quick uh you know kind of into these last two games uh you know first against the celtics the, the story of the night there was that uh they got outscored in the paint 60 to 30 again they let up they let 60 points of, uh from the from the celtics who are just constantly attacking their their defense uh driving kick action just using pick and roll to to basically get to anywhere they wanted on the floor um, and that was a big game because LaMarcus Aldridge on, on offense had just come off a 39-point night against the OKC, and then here he comes with, with just four shots and just three points. So he was the guy who kind of got um, you know a lot, a lot of the, uh, the, the the negative press, I would I would say, I guess, on, in that game. Uh, and then, you know, DeJounte Murray in, in back-to-back games now, he's kind of struggled a little bit where, where he's just um, on offense um, – you know, turning the ball over a lot on his drives, he's he's really kind of hitting like that 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 he should have had, which is a sophomore like kind of wall. But but he had he didn't get to play last year, so he's kind of going through that motion now, where he's kind of trying to find his place, and he's and he's really struggling. So you're seeing Derek White get an increase in minutes. Then this Memphis game, um, you know, they give up again 48 points in the paint, which isn't as much as they normally give up to Spurs, but it's still a lot. Memphis shot really well at the rim, and then the the Grizzlies, you know, I look at this stat here, they made 11 to 28 threes, but. Uh, 80% of their three-point mix were on wide-open threes. Again, the 63% of their shots from, from three were on wide-open threes. The Grizzlies were kind of penetrating, kicking, uh, and, and they really had their way against the Spurs. So what do you want to say about any of those two games? Yes, I think that when you talk about the rim and their paint defense, which has actually probably been, out of everything, maybe one of their strengths over the past several years, just because I think that when Aldridge came to the Spurs, he had this reputation of being a bad defender, which I think uh, we have like a. It's easy to fall into the, the the trap of calling players good or bad defenders as if it's like a binary thing. Where the same with like Pow in the series against the Rockets, where like Pop was able to take the thing that he's actually good at, maybe like just standing right in front of the rim and defending the rim. And turning that into a strength, so Powell actually had a really good offense or a defensive series against you know the Houston Rockets of all teams, and and Aldridge has kind of been the same way. Where like if if you're kind of playing heavy drop defense and he's staying at the rim, he can really protect the rim and and kind of help keep their paint defense solid. But I think you know this is Aldridge's age 34 season, I believe. You know, and so you have to expect like at what point does the drop-off come? And is this, you know, last season he started off really shaky as well. And once he got kind of things going, the Spurs did really well. But so it's kind of one of those things of, is is this kind of just the shakiness? Is it, is it just like last season or is it kind of a sign that he's kind of aging and getting older? Um, And at that point, kind of where do the Spurs pivot from there? Because, uh, and someone else I remember had said this, a year or two ago that really kind of as Aldridge goes, the Spurs have gone these past couple of years, mm-hmm. especially, you know, two years ago when Leonard was out. And then, you know, last year too, it's kind of really, if Aldridge is playing well, the Spurs seem to be playing well. And when he's not, it seems like the Spurs start losing games. So I think in both of those games on offense and, and on defense, 
you kind of see the effects of like, is, is this just a bad start to the season or is he, is the aging starting to get to him? And I think the other thing is, I, I don't know exactly the location of all those wide open threes, but just from watching the, the games, what seems to be the case is a lot of those wide open threes are on the weak side. Like mm-hmm. teams can run actions on the weak side where the Spurs switch more, but they've seemed to be getting a lot of these switches miscommunicated or, kind of mistimed for whatever reason early on in the season and it's leading to a lot of wide open shots so so that's kind of what i'm seeing with the open shots is it just seems to be like if teams run like simple actions on the weak side they they just seem to get really easy open threes Hmm, interesting and and i should note you know in 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 terms of this uh, grizzlies game that the nba did put out um i mean not not the nba but yeah they put out their their two-minute um report and there was one final play uh with 13.9 seconds left um no, no, sorry, with 22.6, 22.6 seconds left where DeMar DeRozan had a chance to tie the game. The Spurs were down two. He drives in for a reverse layup. He misses it. Uh, the, the team, this, you know, he said after the game, I, th- I thought I was fouled. He thought that the Spurs did get fouled there and that maybe it would have changed the course of the game. Uh, and today the NBA put out their, their, non, their last two-minute call report. And, and according to Jeff McDonald of the San Antonio Express News, that, that, De, that the NBA ruled that that should have been called a foul, but it was a non-call at the, at the time. So, and, and, you know, and, and according to the, to the new coaching challenge rules, uh, Pop was not able to challenge that type of call against the refs uh, on that play. So, you know, who knows? Maybe they, they, they could have ended up winning the game. But like, like I always say, you know, if you're a 10 and a half point favorite, you should not be having it come down to the wire against the Grizzlies. You should have beat that team pretty easily or, or pretty, um, you know, pr- pretty, uh, pretty effectively. And that was not the case where the Spurs fell behind by, by 16 points. Let me ask you this before we, we really dive into the defense real quick. What do you think about that? I, I know I have a stat there where like, man, they're, they're just falling behind by 10 points all the time now. It's already been 60% of their games to start the year. They're, they've been down by 10 and they're like one in five now when that happens. Uh, what do you think? It, it, what are you seeing there just early on from, from why they're falling behind so fast? You know, it's it's the starters, just like it was last year. You know, and, yeah. and it's you don't want to necessarily like put blame on any one group. But I remember, you know, uh, whenever national writers talk about the Spurs, it's really nice to kind of get their input. And that was the one thing that like Zach Lowe was harping on all of last year was like, you know, the Spurs are performing better than expected. But he didn't know if he could put Aldridge or DeRozan on like his All NBA ballots because the Spurs were worse with them on the floor. Yeah, and that has been like the case again this year. And when I was yes. doing my research yes. for my article last week, I noticed like, man, the Spurs are really good when there are five bench guys out there. Like everyone, which I, I look, I understand the eye test says things, but there's been a lot of a lot of uh, discussion over what the Spurs look like when Patty and Marco are out there. But their net rating with those two out there are actually, is actually really, really high. And their net rating with like the starters out there is is negative in pretty much every single case. So it's it's one of those things where they're they're falling behind from the very beginning and then their bench actually can can stay in the game against other teams' benches and even bring them back. But then it's a fight and then it's time for the starters to come back in and, and then <laughs> Yeah. It's I, I totally understand. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I, it's something I've been kicking around, and I don't know how they would do it. Was if they can stagger Aldridge and DeRozan more, where you have one of them kind of be a featured offensive piece off of the bench, and um, I mean, not that they would act, they would still start, but that they would come off of the floor much earlier and then come in with the bench because I, I feel like having them both of them on the floor at the same time does provide diminishing returns, and I think that both of them could actually be more useful if they were like the one like star on offense with all of, especially with how many like good supporting offensive players that the Spurs have on the bench. 
just having one of Aldridge or DeRozan in that mix too, I think could be a really solid lineup. I don't know how they would actually kind of section out those minutes, but I, just watching the Spurs, like that was an idea that came to me in terms of like that might kind of help kind of clear some of this up. Yeah, you you hit on the, a great point there. I mean, look at I'm looking right now real quick on cleaning the glass. Um, they're um, they're they're plus mine. I mean, yeah, they're they're negative. They're they're net rating with uh, with DeRozan on the floor right now. It's a minus nine point five when he's out there. It, last year he was on minus five point three. Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge when he's out there right now. Last year he was at minus zero point three net rating. Right now it's a minus five point six. You're right. Those two guys are struggling together. Uh, and, and I think that's kind of the story. You're right. I mean, where where you know they fall behind the starting unit, they're struggling, and then all of a sudden, um, the bench unit has to come in and save them. And then, of course, like you just said, you know, they, they put them back out there, and it's, str- it's a struggle. Now, again, I don't know how much those two guys want to. I, I think that's a good idea, like you said there, because it, it allows both of them to become, um, you know, the primary option for for a while. But again, these two these are two guys who, you know, how is that conversation to go with with them playing uh, being on the bench at certain times? That where, where where they where it has a, a you know, you just have to look at them in, in terms of how how do the Spurs manage them and their personalities in that manner. It's not as easy as like how it used to be with like Tim, Tony, and Manu back in the day uh, when the big three were here. But um, okay, Colin, now let's go ahead and really get into the defense here. Uh, that's kind of our main topic here because I think that at the heart of the matter, that's kind of what it is. Uh, when you look, so so right now, you know, as you and I are recording this on Tuesday evening, the Spurs have a offensive rating of one of scoring one hundred nine point three points per one hundred possessions, which is seven. So again, as much as the struggles are overall, it's it's a, it's a tenth a top ten offense. But on the defensive end, they're giving up exactly 109.3 points per 100 possessions. No other difference. So basically, they're scoring this much, and then they're giving away this much on the other end, which that is not good because then that makes them have the 19th-ranked defense right now in terms of defensive rating according to NBA.com. So what I've done here is I've kind of taken a lot of the stats we have in our Project Spurs Premium Database, and and I've kind of put them into the good category, the meh, all right category, and then the bad category. And so let's look at some of the let's talk about the strengths first, and then we'll go into some of the negatives. So some of the good things that we see from the Spurs right now on defense. Uh, outside of that, that fourth quarter against Memphis, they're doing a really good job of keeping other teams off the offensive glass. They're they're third there. They're doing a really good job of not putting teams on the free throw line. They're fit there. Uh, like you mentioned, Colin, they're they're allowing teams to shoot at the rim is actually very low. It's only uh it's only the, uh, it's ranked sixth in terms of uh, lowest uh, amount of frequency at the rim. Uh, mid-range, they're making teams take uh, the second most mid-range jumpers of the league. So they're making teams take mid-range. They're limiting corner threes and um, and, and, and non-corner threes at a, at a top 10 level. And then um, they're, when t- when teams use the pick-and-roll ball handler against them, uh, they're, they're, they're six best in, in, in guarding that in terms of teams are only getting 0.81 points per possession. Uh, and then also their frequency of spot-ups. Uh, so those are some of the strengths um, right now. Um, some of the some of the weaknesses, the, the bad stuff about them on defense is opponent fast break points. They're twenty fifth. They're just allowing a lot of fast break points. The half court defense is terrible. It's twenty sixth. Uh, you know, according to cleaning the glass, uh, opponents shooting at the rim. Teams are scoring sixty nine point eight percent of the time that they get to the rim. That is thirtieth, dead last for the Spurs in terms of opponent um, uh, accuracy at the rim. And then of course points in the paint. They're twenty third there, allowing teams to score in the paint. Um, Teams are purposely targeting them. They're 29th uh, in terms of their teams are targeting them 25% of the time uh, in pick and roll ball handler. Uh, and then spot up uh, teams are shooting really well against them. So I know that's a lot of stats there. What What, what is your takeaway when you hear some of that those numbers and, and those rankings? I think the two that really stick out to me are, is how uh, easily opponents are scoring on them in transition and kind of how 
easily they're scoring at the rim as well. Um, so it's kind of just having been around uh, the Spurs and kind of hearing Spurs quotes forever, it can be easy to lose when and where you hear things. But I do remember one time, I think it was a player talking about that um, Pop basically starts over with the defense every year. It's basically like they don't go like, oh, well, since we had this last year, let's start from there. They kind of like start from ground level every year. And the very first thing they work on is transition defense. Mm-hmm. Um, when they come into camp. I don't know if that's still the case. It sounds like it at least was at one point. And so one of the things that I think a lot about is that while this isn't technically a new team in terms of the pieces, you know, DeJounte Murray is, is kind of being reincorporated and Trey Lyles is a starter. He wasn't on the team last year, but a lot of the other pieces are the same. But you can you can see that there is definitely actually growing pains on defense. Like this, this team has the personnel to be a better defensive team than last year's team, but you can see the growing pains of maybe a missed rotation or maybe a little bit of confusion on who should be doing what, where. Uh, and you would think that eventually um, that the transition defense would be the one that improves. I actually think that that, that is one of the areas that DeJounte will improve on because it's hard to have... So a lot of the times they can be separated into two categories where you have transition off of dead balls and transition off of live mm-hmm. balls. And the Spurs have actually had some opponents scoring off of them off of dead balls in some kind of embarrassing ways. But, you know, more often than not, it's probably off of the live ball turnovers. Yeah. And and you'll see it a lot, especially when the Spurs uh, guards go into the post, which they've been doing a lot this season. Uh Murray might start backing someone down or DeRozan might start backing someone down and they'll lose the handle or someone will kind of come in front of them and steal the ball. And I think as DeJounte gets more time and as he gets more comfortable with the system, I think his turnovers will go down and those numbers will naturally get better just because there will be less live ball opportunities. Um, And then, you know, him and Derek are so fast that once those do happen, once those two can play together, you're probably going to have someone who is, is a very capable defender getting back on time to help defend it. So some of these problems, I think, are like a system thing where they're kind of everyone's learning the system. Everyone's learning to play with this better personnel. But also as um, DeJounte gets more minutes and as he gets more comfortable and as they're able to play him more with Derek, which I think will come once his minutes restriction is lifted, I think that the transition will be better. Uh, I do think that the stuff at the rim, though, is worrying because it, it, you look at their personnel and you look at like who they have, and it's it's like okay, where do they grow mm-hmm. from what they already have on protecting the rim? Unless they want to start um, Pirtle with Aldridge again, which they seem to one have moved away from because they like Pirtle's uh, contributions off the bench. So th- there's like maybe one move they can do there, other than just. Uh, individual players playing better so that that there's a transition you can like see a path to that getting better but the rim defense i think is one of the things where you're like man that's just going to be have to be individuals kind of improving you can't really see a good system fix for that yeah um you know w- one thing that i think is very concerning in terms of like the fact that they're like they're 25th and allowing opponent fast break points is the fact that like they're actually pretty good they're like second i think uh, in terms of not letting teams score off them off, off their own turnovers actually i think they're holding teams like 12.6 points off off the spurs turnovers like that mm. and so it's actually a really good number that they're getting back on those type possessions but it's the fact that like 
man, the team to to have to be twenty fifth in twenty fast break points, and then they're giving up like sixteen points a game. That just tells you like you're just not getting back in time and stuff like that. And and you know, like you just mentioned, uh, the the the. The uh, live ball turnovers and the dead ball ones, uh, ex- especially as well. And to be 26 in half court defense again, what does that tell me? That tells me you're missing rotations. Uh, you know, when when teams penetrate you, on, on your, especially when teams run stuff in the pick and roll, maybe off um, off um, off uh, off ball screens, things like that. That you're just not communicating. You're, you're not cohesive. Uh, and then you know you just got to look at the defenders that they're running out there. And, and you know we obviously know that that their two best defenders are De- uh, Dejounte and, and Derek White. But like we mentioned also, you know, you only have one of those guys right now until that minutes restriction is lifted playing on the floor at all times. I know Pops just kind of experimented, experimented with having both of those guys out there twice so far this year, but very minimal possessions. Uh, but, you know, Pops kind of said it that not until DeJounte's minutes restriction is lifted is when we're going to see more of those Derek White, uh, DeJounte type lineups, which is, again, going to have an effect on their defense because you only have one guy who can kind of stop some dribble penetration in DeJounte or Derek while the def- the other defenders are going by De- DeRozan or Bryn Forbes or Patty Mills or Marco and all these other guys. So, so yeah, I think a lot of that is too, like like you said, maybe it is just early, you know, trying to get back on the same page, learn it, learn, relearn the defense, those kind of things. But I, I just feel like it's really concerning still. And like you mentioned, Colin, there's not a lot of answers for that rim accuracy defense because what are you going to do? Okay, you're gonna you're, you're not going to lose Lamarcus from the starting lineup. That's for sure. So you can either pick put in Pirtle like you said, or continue going small with like Rudy Gay or even like Damari Carroll as, as the four. And those are like your only few options that you have. You know, outside of you know signing players or, or making a trade. I, and or I doubt they put Chimezi Metu, um, bring him add him to that to a starting lineup. So. Yeah, it's a little bit concerning the fact that like teams when they even though teams aren't getting to the rim a lot when they do get there, it's very efficient rate. It's like it's the best rate in the league basically <laughs> when they get into the rim. So I think that is very concerning. Uh, like you mentioned, I also think a lot of it too is like almost like it's just really inconsistency. Like you look at this Grizzlies box score. I mean. They, they give up 35 in the first quarter, bad defense. Then they give up 22 in the second quarter. That's actually a good defensive number in, a, in, a, in 2019. Then a third quarter, Grizzlies scored 34. Fourth quarter, the Spurs hold them to 22, which is a good mark. Outside of the Grizzlies getting those few offensive rebounds in the fourth, you know, the Spurs played really good defense there. Uh, and, and, you know, the numbers for me, I, I feel like they have improved. But, you know, when you see the end result, that's still their issue is still on the defensive end. It's, it's not really there. You know, I, I've been tracking the drives allowed per game. Um, you know, they're giving up like 41 drives per game. Uh, and, and even those numbers aren't that bad when you when you really look at, at how teams are scoring on them and, and the efficiency there. Uh, the wide open threes, you know, they're kind of outside of the Celtics game and Grizzlies game. They've kind of been guarding them at a decent percentage. They haven't been giving up too too many as as I thought. And I just felt like the numbers right now don't match the eye test. I feel like the numbers are very much like you know league average to um you know you know you know not horribly bad right now in, in a lot of different categories outside of the rim accuracy. Um, but when you watch the eye test, again, it just feels like it's not all the time that they look this bad on defense. It's just like uh, maybe like a quarter, like two quarters a game it looks like this. What do you think about that? The fact that some a lot of the numbers paint them not, not as bad as it looks on defense, but the end result is that they're still the 19th ranked defense. So I think a lot of that goes back to how well their bench is played, and that's been kind of subtle in mm-hmm. some ways. So I, I pulled cleaning the glasses uh, on off stats and um, the Spurs or uh, rather opponents have shot 11.6% worse at the rim when Pearl's on. Oh, interesting. Um, but they've shot 14.3% better with Aldridge on the court wow. at the rim. So it, it's, it's one of those things again with, with that happening. And I think, so I actually don't think kind of having watched it and, and kind of, 
and I don't know how much of this is actually the case or if it's just the what I've seen and what stuck out. I don't actually think all of that is Aldridge's fault either. For whatever reason, it seems like the Spurs guards have been like particularly susceptible to getting caught on screens this year. Um, especially, you know, some of the ones in the starting lineup. Uh, obviously, DeJounte has incredible strength and footwork and can kind of move around screens in a very masterful way. But uh, it, it seems like it's getting to the point with their drop defense where <laughs> because the the guard defending this is getting stuck on a screen, it's kind of leaving Aldridge to defend two-on-one. Um, and you either have like a big rolling to the rim uh, or you have a smaller guy that is able to kind of get around Aldridge. Um, and and that's just it's it's one of those things where uh, hopefully that kind of improves as the year goes on too. And actually, that's one of the things where Patty I feel like has been really bad at that historically, and he's actually been doing a pretty dang good job of that this season is getting around screens. That's kind of been something that I've always kind of knocked him for on my side is just like okay man like patty can be he has a lot of energy which i think goes a lot further than a lot of people realize but he can just be taken out of possessions when someone sets a good Mm -hmm. screen on him but this year he's actually been doing a much better job about getting around screens and i think that does help the big man in these drop defense coverages because now you're not playing two on one you have the the guard kind of chasing behind and i think that's happening a lot in the starting lineup where um Forbes or DeRozan are, are kind of getting caught on these screens and now Aldridge is kind of left picking which person he's going to guard and then the other one has like an empty lane to the basket. Yeah, I don't know for sure. Um, and, you know, I'm looking at some of the matchup data that the NBA d- puts out and, you know, it, it's it's really tough because, you know, DeJounte is usually guarding the best matchup out there uh, in terms of like the, the backcourt rotation, but then you got, and then Forbes has to guard the second guy and, and a lot of the numbers, the matchup data numbers don't look good for Forbes where multiple players are attacking him nightly uh, and then, you know, they're shooting, they're at least getting one or two shots made against him uh, when he's their, their primary matchup. Um, and then I guess, yeah, the same thing for DeRozan too. So I think that's, it's just, I think part of it too is, you know, there's just a limitation of the personnel when, when you're starting these guys. And so, uh, you know, now that you read me that Pirtle stat, I, I am eager to see if Pop does experiment with going back to a slower, you know, more traditional big man lineup. I, I know obviously the, the offense would probably take a hit a little bit, but I mean, like we mentioned earlier, the starters already on a, a, a negative net rating. You know, even and, and and actually, I wrote a piece on Trey Lyles recently, and uh, and and the offense is just it's actually the issue with the, with the starting units. It's the offense that's actually worse than the defense for them. Uh, and and like you mentioned earlier, you know that's why they go into those lows and they fall behind because they just can't score for for a long time and they have these really bad uh, half court possessions that they just can't 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 use feasibly. So so kind of you know we'll see what happens. Obviously, you know, it's, like you mentioned, Colin, it's five and five. They could be. You know, who knows? They could be maybe like six and four right now if things go differently or seven and three or, you know, had they lost the Wizards, they could be like really bad. It could be like three and seven right now or something like that. So so it's really like, you know, this is kind of what the numbers are showing right now. It's a media. It's kind of like a like a very average mediocre team. And that's kind of what why they're five and five. And, you know, based on their play on both ends right now, it's what it's showing the numbers. Uh, I think that for the for the for the guys like like you and I that like like to look a lot of the math models, you know, right now, it, that part is winning this argument right now, just because a lot of these math projections did have the Spurs with like forty you know 38 wins and a lot of fans got upset in the summertime they're like no this team won you know 47 games and or 48 games whatever it was and and they're bringing Jajanti in yeah but you know the rest of the league did get better I, even though I know a lot of teams are struggling it's just that you know right now this is kind of what these models saw in, in the Spurs that it, as good as Dejounte is and as good as Derek White can be um you know they just don't have a lot more upside on this roster it's very much a, a team that's kind of set in, in what they are uh yeah so did you have anything else you wanted to add before we get ready to close this one out 
So I was thinking about that, about how you talked about the whole league getting better. So if, when we talked about, we went through the schedule um, before the season began and we were looking at wins. You know, you would probably look at like Suns and Timberwolves games as easy wins for the Spurs. Yeah. And that's not maybe the case anymore. Like both of those teams have been really good this season. And I think that's true kind of up and down. There are teams that are bad in the West, but I still think that those are teams that the Spurs can't take lightly just because, you know, this isn't the big three era Spurs. This isn't the Kawhi era Spurs where if you have kind of an off night, you're still going to kind of beat some of these bad teams. And I think that's what we saw the first two games of the season against the Knicks and the Wizards where, you know, the Spurs had some sloppy play and they kind of ran a risk of losing to teams that they were definitely better than. So, you know, it's definitely one of those things where like, hey, the whole league is getting better, like you said, especially the West. And that's, I mean, people say it every year, but like this year, it's more true, I think, than it has been in the past in terms of at least like the average level of, of play in the West. And not only that, but if you look at kind of the, and I know we'll probably talk about some of this too, this kind of has a year that looks like it'll start very similar to last year. Uh, you know, they haven't been very good at the road and they have a lot of road games coming yes, up. And yes. so I think they could start in the hole and then recover. So I think, you know, if we hit the 14th in the West, 11 and 15 spot again, you know, again, I would say don't don't sound the alarm. Don't pull the uh, the levers of the air raid sirens or all that. It's like it, it's probably will still be that they're fighting for a playoff spot near the end of the season. But I can definitely see with how their schedule is is kind of set up that they could fall into one of those holes like they did at the beginning of yeah, last year. Yeah, so you don't find that as cons- – so you're saying that if they fall behind – see, I, I'm a little more like – you know, if they're already listening to the, to the Hawks and the Grizzlies, I feel like that's even more – a little bit more alarming, the fact that they're going to lose now road games that we know. Because like they've had a really nice home schedule for themselves – to begin the year, and now all of a sudden, and they've already lost what three games there or four games. Uh, it's going to get harder for them. Yeah. We know they, they don't win on the road right now, so so I I would actually argue that you know it's going to be a little bit you know more you know risky for them if they start going out there on the road too and then falling in a hole. Um, just because, like you mentioned, there's more there's teams that have got, gotten better. You know, in the in Phoenix and Dallas and Minnesota right now. Early on, we've seen Portland, the Spurs, um, OKC have obviously all slipped, uh, and then you know you got those games, those weird ones where you play like the Grizzlies who can beat you, or you got the Pelicans on, on a night when they get hot, or or somebody like that, or some of the teams out east. So so that's interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens there. Um, yeah, so you know we'll see what happens, Spurs cast listeners. You know by this time next time uh, next week we'll see if the Spurs have won a few games or you know going on the road. We know that they don't play well, so they could end up losing a few more here, and they could be you know under five hundred uh, uh, for, for to, to to start so early in the year. So we'll kind of see what happens. And again, it's kind of just. For me, it's a lot of it's on the on the defensive end. You know how how are they going to shore up that area if they can't? That's the one thing, Colin. I think that that kind of gets lost in terms of watching this. You know, watching the Spurs for so many years and, and getting used to their style with the big three. Uh, and, and then and then even um you know when when Timmy started retiring, then Manu, then obviously Tony is the fact that like defense has always been Coach Pop's team's backbone. It's always been their backbone. They've never really had to worry about that and slipping up. And now. And, you know, they've had in the past, you know, even with Tim and Tony Amato, they had some seasons where they had they had some tough offensive stretches, but they would survive in those games because, again, they could always rely on their defense to hold the other team to a certain amount of points. Well, now that's not the case anymore. Like the minute they hit one of these lows and they fall behind by 16, by 19 points, like we're seeing these last two weeks, it's over. I mean, they, they, they have a tough time coming back from those kind of outcomes because, again, they cannot stop the other team. So that's why my focus and that's why I wanted to really spend a whole episode on defenses because that's kind of, you know, if the Spurs don't have that as their backbone, then it's going to be it's going to be tough going forward, you know, and, and whether they're, they're going to get the playoffs or not, it's just going to be really tough for them uh, going forward. 
All right, Colin, thanks for joining me on SpursCast episode 560. SpursCast listeners, if you're uh, on Twitter, please follow him at Colin Reed PS. Again, that's at Colin Reed PS. Uh, just a few reminders. Uh, this week at Project Spurs, what we have going on. Uh, Benjamin Bornstein released his latest prospect watch. It's over Obi Toppin or Topin. I don't know how to say that. Obi Toppin by Ben Bornstein. Uh, Joe Garcia, Ben, and Steven Anderson all uh, got together for the Spurs takeover. Um, that's our post game video that we've been running with um, Two Shots podcast. So go ahead and check that out if you'd like. Uh, Steven Anderson also has his three standout players um, article versus the Grizzlies. Uh, Vicky Virial uh, wrote a piece called uh, Tony Parker Impacted Spurs League in San Antonio. So that's kind of Vicky uh, reflecting on Tony, um, you know, his jersey retirement and kind of the memories of him as a spur. Uh, um, I actually had a piece, if you want to read it, about Trey Trey Lyles, who's actually been playing really well on both ends. Uh, It's called Player Spotlight Trey Trey Lyles Through Nine Games. Uh, And then thank you again to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this, this episode. So for Colin Reed, I am Paul Garcia. Thank you. Have a great day. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details